Blog Talk Radio. Well, here we go, ladies and gentlemen, across the country. It's Saturday. It's 10 o'clock straight up on the West Coast, 12 o'clock maybe in Chicago, 1 o'clock in New York. But it's time for the Standing Above the Crowd podcast, hosted by my good friend, a brother, a mentor to me, James Donaldson, live from Seattle, Washington. Yours truly, Mark Mancini, producing this in Los Angeles. 347-205-9631. You catch the archive version on blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mancini Sports. Podcast platforms, wherever you subscribe to podcasts, powered now by Mancini Media. So without further ado, let me lay the red carpet down, put the podium in its place, hand off the mic. It's more him, less of me. James, first of all, how are you? Second of all, how can people get a hold of you? And third of all, you're bringing another legend through. Hey, man. Hey, Mark. We keep bringing them through one after another, week after week, and it's just been fantastic. I'm doing just great. Another blessed day and uh, up here in the Pacific Northwest, so things are well. Uh, people can get a hold of me at jamesd at standingabovethecrowd.com. It's one of my personal emails. comes directly to me. So listeners out there all around the country, just send in your thoughts about the show, good, bad, or indifferent. You know, we're all big boys here. We can handle it. And uh, if you have any comments or suggestions on upcoming guests you'd like to, you'd like to hear from, and we'll reach out and try to book them on the show in the upcoming weeks. But we're in the stretch of the NBA playoffs right now. So the last four or five weeks, we've been talking NBA basketball specifically with a lot of great NBA basketball players, former players, uh, week after week. Today is no exception. Uh, and so that's the best way to get a hold of me. Just shoot me a quick email, and I get right back to you. Uh, my guest today, I mean, I really have the pleasure to introduce him. He's uh, probably in my career, one of my favorite teammates throughout. Uh, we played together in, uh, with the Dallas Mavericks back in the mid-'80s to the early-'90s. Um, uh, you know, he was a, a power forward, and I was uh, the big center in the middle. We had some formidable Dallas Maverick teams back then with a lot of great talent around us. Almost made it, not quite, but we were mm-hmm. knocking on the door there for a couple, a couple of years. Um, and, and, of course, the folks up in the Pacific Northwest, a lot of Sonic fans uh, listen to the show every week. Uh, they're all going to readily identify with him. This is uh, Sam Big Smooth, they call him, Big Smooth Perkins <laughs> uh, from North Carolina. University of North Carolina, uh, out of Brooklyn, New York. So East Coaster, uh, living down in Dallas still right now. Uh, Sam, I want to welcome you to the show, and I just really want to say thank you so much, man. You've always been a stand-up, step-up kind of guy, and uh, when I reached out to you, you said, sure, let me do the show and uh, be glad to help you. Uh, Sam, welcome. Why don't you introduce yourself to our listening audience a little bit, and then we'll jump into the NBA playoffs, all right? All right, well, I mean, thanks for the kind words. I mean, you, you did the intro uh, definitely right on point. I'd be probably just repeating whatever you said. But, yes, uh, James and I were teammates back in uh, back in the day, and I, I was a um, – that was my first team with the Dallas Mavericks, and uh, we were coached under Dick Mata. And he came in, and uh, we needed a center and, and uh, moved me. I still kind of played – center forward but at the same time we uh times there uh we should have had better times with our with our teammates but i won't go into that but 
overall, um, James was like a, you know, like a mentor and, uh, I, uh, admired him a lot and, uh, funny guy hung, hung out with him, but more so we were competitive on the court. Like he said, we almost took the Lakers for a ride, but we just did not do it. So, but all in all, it was a good career playing together with James and, uh, playing in Seattle, you know, with, in, the, in the Pacific Northwest was a, was a feat. Uh, I got traded from uh, L.A., and next thing you know, I am in uh, Seattle and uh, never looked back and had a great time in, in, in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you so much for that. You know, I want, I want to tick off a few of your career highlights here. I'm scrolling through them. You've got a, quite a list of accomplishments, a really long NBA career, but you know, you came out of New York uh, back with high school, and you went to North Carolina mm-hmm. University of North Carolina. Uh, you were a 1984 first-round draft pick, number four overall with the Dallas Mavericks. Um, man, I tell you, you've got a lot of great highlights here. Played with the Mavericks. You played with the Lakers. You played with the Supersonics. You played and finished up with the Indiana Pacers. But here are some great career highlights I'm looking at. NBA All-Rookie First Team, 1985. NCAA mm-hmm. Champion, 82. Two-time consensus first team All-American while at North Carolina. Consensus second team All-American. Uh, ACC Tournament MVP. ACC Rookie of the Year. Man, you, you just put it together one after another. Parade All-American. <laughs> McDonald's All-American. Uh, Sam, hey, man, you, you had a great career. And, um, you know, so many people remember you, especially here in Seattle, when you you really became one of the first big men who could just shoot it from the three and just put it in there time after time uh, and uh, earned you the nickname Big Smooth because you made it look so effortlessly. But you were always <laughs> a great all-around all, all player. I mean, you know, I remember when we were playing with Dallas and, you know, right. uh, playing, against, playing against those great big guys game after game, whether it was Akeem or Artis or Kareem or uh, Samson or whoever, uh, many times if I couldn't handle them, they'd switch you over to them because you had a little bit better defensive prowess than I did, quicker of feet and all that. And we made a really great combo out there. Um so let's let's jump into the NBA playoffs that are going on right now. Uh, right. What do you think? The heavy the heavyweights didn't make it this year. Well, the LA Lakers didn't even make the playoffs. The Brooklyn Nets got knocked out and swept out in the first round. So I think it's been a more exciting uh, round of basketball playoffs this year than I've seen in years and years. What are your thoughts? I mean, I agree with you because this is what it's going to look like if the heavyweights didn't make it. And you will see talent, talented teams come to the top and, you know, kind of profess their, their own, own uh, kingship to the league. And uh, you, you had Milwaukee, you had Memphis, mm-hmm. um, and you still had Golden State, of course. Um, but you, now you, now you have Miami Heat and again, Golden State Warriors who actually haven't been to the playoffs in quite some time. And for them to mm-hmm. kind of, come back and and gather themselves to be right there at the end shows a lot about themselves but not only that just Steve Kerr and his and 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 the organization that put together like 
there's a lot of teams that haven't been to the playoffs. I mean, to the playoffs or nor the, the finals. So that gives credit to Golden State. But like you said, um, the Lakers, you know, they had a lot of uh, discombobulation with with themselves uh, in a in a things that were blocking their progression. And so and so as the Nets, you know, you had some off and on play and you know, just things that you can't play with to get that cohesiveness together. So when you have somebody like a Kyrie Irving only playing for, you know, away games and so many other games, it, it knocks off the, the next guy to try to get a rhythm. And so these two teams that didn't make it um, had a lot of things off the court they had to deal with and makes their on-court things even more visible and more uh, under the microscope to to attend to. So, I mean, credit all these guys for playing uh, these teams that made the uh, play in and, and the playoffs. But it was a lot of young talent, and, and you saw a lot of guys step up uh, to the plate to to make their name um, even more valuable. Right, right, and, and and you're right with Golden State after a couple of down years, injuries. Uh, playing in the bubble, COVID protocols, and all kind of things. Uh, they're right. right back at it again in the conference championships again, going for another round in the finals. So uh, they're back in the finals, and we'll see what happens with them. Uh, just a great testament to what Steve Kerr has been able to do year after year after year, no matter what. Uh, mm-hmm. I got a, I got one of our first one of our first questions that popped up. Richard from Spokane, Washington. He says. Damn those Lakers. Otherwise, you boys would have would have won the West back in 1988. Any thoughts on the <laughs> wars with those Hollywood guys? Showtime. Well, Showtime. Well, let me tell you, I remember that series well, and um, I thought they – they were the favorite to win, but they didn't. I don't think anybody thought we would take them to to Game Seven. And mm-hmm. with all all that said, we had a team that was. I remember the clock well. Form clock. It had six 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 minutes left, and I was like, yeah. "That's too much time." <laughs> so I was <laughs> like, "Guys." Yeah. So, but it it wasn't in it 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 was a team. I think. Uh, Reunion Arena and Dallas at the time, and it's a full, first of all, uh, Dallas is a football first Dallas Cowboys, but we ran close second uh, in in hype and sports and things of that nature as a team here, and it was so so much enthusiasm, so much support we got, and I think the crowd when we we played in Reunion Arena, as you know, it was rocking. And the thing is, is that that's what made us made us so special and uh, the way Dick Mata and the way the team was and uh, the experience, because I think we were only like four years old, five years old, uh, six years old in at the time. So with all that said, I think we gave the the Lakers a, a run. And it was one of those series that a lot of things happened, you know, um, playing well, guys from different, you know, just making buckets and things of that nature. So, it, we yeah. we could have had them. It it just didn't seem like you know it was in the in the in the cards for us. Yeah, and like like all teams, we thought we'd be knocking on the door year after year after year, and it Correct. just wasn't to be. Things started falling no. apart after that. So, coaching you know changes, 
Yeah, mm-hmm. we, we were we were there living it. So, uh, uh, Anne from Huntington Beach, California, is asking: um, Are you still doing some work with the Indiana Pacers as you used to do? Uh, no, I've uh, I left them in two thousand. I want to say 2011, 2012, and moved on to the NBA itself. So um, doing uh, player mentoring and consulting and uh, with the Retired Players Association now on that side. And uh, so I do, uh, you know, player mentoring things as um, going to see players and and checking up on their well-being, but more so with the, the G League. A lot of guys need mentoring there, so in uh, direction. So, um, but no, Indiana was a good place for me after playing there with Larry Bird. Right, right, yeah. Uh, Garrett from Marlboro, Massachusetts. He's uh, remembering the times we used to come up to Beantown, up to Boston, to play the Celtics, uh, and had such a tough time winning there at the Garden. What's the reason that we, the Dallas Mavericks, could never win in Boston. Was it too much seafood, or what's going on in, in Boston? Why couldn't we win? It had nothing to do with the seafood, <laughs> but uh, I tell you, <laughs> the tradition there, they have so much tradition, and um, so many things go on in Boston. Like, I was in awe when I first got there, when like the first time playing there, and um, they just had better teams. You know, at the time, they had – Mikhail, Parrish, Bird, Ainge, DJ, uh, Dennis Johnson, who, who passed away years ago. But they just had so many talented teams. Uh, I really believe after talking to Larry Bird and get to know him, he would say we were just a warm-up, <laughs> you know, for the next mm-hmm. game. So when he said mm-hmm. that to me, I see what he said. Because – Usually Boston play L.A. after, you know, coming to the Midwest and or they go to, they go to the West. And he said we were just yeah. practice. So there's only one team that he admired and only get one guy he wanted to go against hard was it, to his equal was Magic Johnson. Yeah, back in the day. Back in the day. I, I, I think the Garden is the only place I never, ever won a game in. All the yeah, arenas around. Yeah. Did you ever win? No, nah, I don't. I don't. I don't remember winning, winning there with Seattle. Uh, maybe with Indiana. Maybe with Indiana. I think I did. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. Tough place to win, and uh, but you know they had great teams with uh, you know Parrish, McCall, Bird, Johnson, Ainge. All those guys uh, were always prepared at home. So yep. great, great. Yep. Hey, one of the questions going through a lot of uh, Sonic fans up here in the Northwest is, when are the Seattle Supersonics going to be back to Seattle? They left in 2009. There's been little rumors here and there about possible NBA expansion, but, you know, they, they, the rumors come about and they go away for a few months and they come back up. So what are your thoughts uh, on when and if Seattle's ever going to get another NBA basketball team? been so much speculation you know every time i talk or hear or listen to somebody it's it's going to happen but that happen is not known known to anybody because of the fact that the league wants to make sure that uh it's it's doable first before rushing the judgment but also they also wanted to keep in mind that they don't want an expansion team so they want to make if they do have a team uh, make expansion for uh, for the NBA, 
they want two teams at the same time. So the teams that are the cities or cities that are considered as Las Vegas, and if they put one there in Las Vegas, Seattle is going definitely going to happen. But mm. without without the the okay <clears throat> approval uh, from some of the owners and things of that nature, and 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 Silver uh, Commissioner Silver then I think that um, we'll, we'll be in waiting for for a while because the NBA, you know, of course, had lost some attraction in, in the international, international um, countries. So with that said, they're trying to see if they can be uh, pro, profitable with, uh, with having two teams and one in Vegas and one in Seattle. But, there was some talk about Memphis moving for a long time, a while ago, but it seems like Memphis is not going anywhere. Right, right, and New Orleans as well. So, yeah, the New stocks Orleans, come yeah. up. Right, right. Now, I heard Las Vegas went ahead and built them an NBA standard, uh, NBA-approved arena already. So they're waiting. They've got a, a, you know, a building ready to go. Uh, right. Seattle has the refurbished, uh, refurbished uh, Coliseum or Key Arena that is refurbished now for NHL hockey. So that's doable. I don't know if it's suitable for the NBA and what they want, but uh, at least we do have a new kind of refurbished building. And you played in the Coliseum all those years and in the Key Arena. What are your thoughts on playing in Seattle? Uh, you were here for how many years and some really good years as well, if I recall. Yeah, I was there for six years, and like I said, I got traded in '93 from Los Angeles Lakers, and um, I played in the Coliseum. And even the Coliseum was pretty nice. It wasn't the form, but it was pretty nice. And um, so, the, again, I was I was set on another team that was very solid, similar to the Mavericks. Uh, we had uh, Peyton Sean. Uh, we had. Um, um, uh, what's his name? Detlef for a minute. We had Michael Cage, Derek McKee, and yeah. things of this. So with all that said, Dana Barrow, so with all that said, I was on another team. But I really enjoyed myself because um, in Seattle, I, I mean, in L.A., I was just running and running and running. And when I got to Seattle, somehow I started opening up books, start reading a lot. And I guess the <laughs> rain will make you do that. And for some reason, I started reading. and I got to know a lot of things of myself in Seattle. Because all you had to do was just play, and you didn't have all that entertainment like you did in L.A. And uh, so it was meant to be. And once I got settled and acclimated in Seattle, um, things went off, and I was there for six years. And Josh Carl took us to the finals. And... Uh, that was his goal. We had some records done. We had some disappointments, losing to uh, uh, AC uh, Denver. Um, but mm-hmm. then we made up strides, and he got a formidable team on the put on the court, and we just started rolling. And uh, we had the likes of Detlef Shrimp again, um, Gary and Sean, uh, Frank Mikowski, uh Kendall Gill, some you know, Hershey Hawkins. I mean, we had a team and. We just kind of like, you know, made it our home. We got to know each other, and uh, that's that was all credit to the now the the uh, he's going into the Hall of Fame, uh, George Carl. Yes, they had a big celebration. 
uh, even this weekend, they started it last night in Seattle for George Carl. So that that's fantastic. Several of the tonic guys, I saw some photos. Uh, Gary Payton, Sean Kemp, Douglas Shrimp are all around him uh, mm-hmm. posing for photos. So that's that's great. I, I wasn't able to make it, but uh, you know I'm I'm nearby, so I'll pop in every now and then. Uh, right. Fantastic. Now, the Sonic team you were on made it to the NBA Finals against the Bulls. Is that correct? Yeah. Yes. Yes. In '96. Uh, '96. Okay. Yes. You guys are right there, and just just great great to see. Um, so, what's what's life like? For Sam Perkins nowadays, what are you doing, and where are you living, and uh, what keeps you busy now? Well, I still split time between Seattle, New York, and uh, Dallas, if if such a thing. But I'm mainly in Dallas because um, my uh, daughter is playing AAU basketball. She's gotten involved in it. She actually moved from Seattle and made a decision at at 14 years old come to uh, Dallas because she loved it that much. Um, she played at AAU and um, she loved it. I mean, she just she won a little championship and and met so many other girls that had the same interest. And that's what really did it. And she came here, learned the game, had some fantastic coaches. I can't take all the credit, but she has a lot of people that coached her. And she, she studied the game, learned the game, kept close to a vest her chest and uh, she's been invested in it and now that she's going into a senior year I've been playing the the Uber, the mom and the dad the, the driver, the <laughs> cook the chef, the cleaner I've been doing all that so with all that said it's been it's been great and um, doing that and my other girls are uh, into volleyball and meal prepping and going back to school and get a master's so it keeps me involved and but this coaching has got me so um, tight with with doing anything else that it surrounds me with just uh, getting her to practice like today and um, things of that nature and just making sure that she's uh, healthy enough. And I, I have to say this: I credit to moms to you know who, who single moms who do all that because um, it, it's a hard job doing it on your own every day, single day, getting up, you know, at eight and getting going to sleep at midnight. So I have more admiration, appreciation for single moms or moms, period. So, but that's what keeps me going. Uh, the NBA still, you know, traveling with the NCAAs with the, um, with the alumni board for, for the final four, um, and doing some little things and, and locally with, um, with my uh, company, I am legendary, which is a, okay. it's a, it's a it, it helps kids to achieve and you know gain confidence through sports. And uh, so we try to teach them just same thing as everybody else do in a bit, but we give them more ground. I mean, keep them grounded and make sure that they can make them realize they can achieve anything they want. So through through hard work. So that's what we do here. And, uh, in Dallas. That, so I'm glad you had that appreciation for single moms because full time job, I tell you, and you're oh, doing it. You're doing it. <laughs> I got more gray hair, more gray hair than I have ever saw in my life. <laughs> hey, and also I'm glad you became a book brother like me and Rolando Blackman in Dallas. We were the book brothers, always reading books. 
So you man, Seattle. You got the Seattle. Yeah, I got the Seattle. I, I promise you, in, in that hotel, I, I started picking up books, and I had so much time <laughs> that I appreciate the the time in L.A. Don't get me wrong, but Seattle had changed me a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Freddie from Cranston, Rhode Island, asking, who's the best coach you played for, Sam? Ooh, NBA. that's tough. Um, well, the, the guy that taught me the game, real principal, all on and off the court, I would have to say um, Dick Marta. Because, yeah. And I say that because I was a rookie, and we he didn't like rookies for some reason, but he liked me. And one time I came in from the night, and I don't know if he was spying on guys or nothing, but he was in the bar. He told me, come here, rookie. And he never called me by my name. And he was <laughs> telling me telling me about the league and things of that nature. And uh, he was like, don't become like them or whomever he was talking to. I had to figure that out. And But the thing is that he, we stayed best of friends and uh, looked each other up after, after our careers were over. And, uh, I just appreciate him with the kind words, and and even though he couldn't appear to like me, he he liked me. But it was yeah. one of those uh, yeah. things. But I definitely had definitely I had other coaches too, like George Carl and Mike Dunleavy and things of that nature. Yeah, and Pat Riley down with the Lakers, of course. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. That that's great. Oh, I I love me some Dick Mata. I tell you, he was one of my favorite coaches too. Um, oh, see? Axel, okay, I'm right. Yes, yeah, that's right. Uh, Axel from Mesa, Arizona is asking, uh, Sam, who was your toughest toughest competitor you faced uh, in the NBA? Toughest competitor? Well, there's a couple, but I don't know if these guys remember him, but his name was uh, Akeem the Dream Olajuwon. <laughs> so, <laughs> he... <laughs> He would go one way and I would go the other, and before you know it, we running down the court. But uh, I always had uh, appreciated playing against him, but always wanted to do well against these guys. And there were other guys too, like Carl Malone, um, Evan McHale, had to guard Burke on occasion. But these guys were the you know, premier players, and um, they were always giving Dallas Mavericks or um, L.A. Lakers fits. Um, I played against Kareem only a, a little bit of time, but I tried to move him, and he, mm-hmm. he it was like a scratch to him. I, I was like, you know, like the wind <laughs> or trying to push him. He just went up kindly and got his hook shot, and that was it. But, but I think that's right. Team. In fact, he was more athletic, more active, and he got the ball, you know, 30 times a game. So it doesn't matter, you know, if he got it or not, he was always a uh, fierce competitor. Yeah, you bring him back nightmares with Akeem. I might not sleep tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you might. I'll, I'll almost sleep. Don't worry. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tell you. Uh, wow, uh, this is this is so great. Now, now, right now, currently, you're a board member with the Retired Players Association. I, I was a board member who mm-hmm. rotated out when you, when you came in. Uh, and we've worked for eight years as a board member doing all kinds of things for the retired players. What are Correct. some of the objectives of the Retired Player Association now? What are they trying to do for the guys? What do they hope to do? What's their vision, their purpose? Um, 
can you give give our audience a little bit of information about that? Well, um, it's funny you mentioned I, I, I'm, you rotated out as I'm in. I'm rotating out the next this this coming year and uh, next year rather. So um, it's a it's well basically it's an organization that looks out for the retired players. Uh, their mission is to you know help help. Um, former players to to in, in life to you know gain some revel revel uh, and some relevance into whatever they're doing now and just to aid them we have a program we have scholarship programs to 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 mentor young kids to to get an education at the same time but mostly we try to uh, facilitate our former players and to just in life. Uh, some of these players have not gotten big contracts while they were playing. And even though the money wasn't lucrative, some of them fell short in life. And so we have assistance to help them in different programs. Just for instance, we just not too long ago, um, former players have health care. And, and health care yeah. was a big issue with, with former players. As they got older, they didn't have any health care. But through the NBA – PA, um, we uh, players association. We we had uh, got together and uh, some of the players got together and made it official for for former players to get health care. And so they still try as hard as they can to get the women's health care uh, package together. But it seems to be uh, strenuous and more upcline for for us doing that. But basically, we're there for former players and. Uh, assist them in any kind of way. Uh, we have chapters in different cities, 13 chapters, you know, give back to the community by putting on easy golf tournaments or things uh, or, or young kids uh, events to kind of be, like I said, relevant and try to be recognized throughout the, uh, the, the cities that we're in. So um, that's mm. our, that's our goal. That's our mission, but we basically still trying to improve, on what we what we can do and make it even uh more visible to 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 people that have uh to companies basically the companies and to the NBA and individuals that we can probably connect with great great well Sam hey man the time flies by way too fast I'm we'll we'll talk offline in a couple minutes when I get off this but I want to say thank you so much for our guest uh, Sam Perkins today Fantastic interview. Uh, listening audience, we are here every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, Standing Above the Crowd, Sports Talk Podcast with James Donaldson. You all have a great week out there. Be well, be blessed, enjoy your Memorial Day weekend. And, Sam, thank you so much. We'll see you next time. Hey. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. All right.